So one really big thing was accepting and being with difficult feelings. So waking up at night, feeling anxious, the instinct we all have is to push it away. It's not fun to be anxious, to be worried, uh, to be ruminating. And she just said, well, just be with it and embrace it. You don't have to be happy that you're having it, but just experience it because as, as you always teach, the more we push it away, the more it becomes amplified. What a change had been so profound that I looked full at the problem in the face. Like, okay, insomnia, do your worst. I'm not running from you. I'm not going to be scared. It's just something that's just so simple. Like the truth, the truth has to be simple. Otherwise, it's not the truth. I was so trapped in my head before. When I say my whole life changed, like my whole life changed. I'm Coach Daniel, and this is the Sleep Coach School. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another really special Talk Insomnia episode. We have Coach Richard with us. Uh, welcome. Thank you, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here. Been looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, me too. I was just about to say almost the same like to our audience and, and to you that I, I say I often say this is a really special Talk Insomnia episode, but it truly is this time because you, Richard, you, you found me like way back, actually. Yeah. You know, and you were a bedtime client, you know, right. in an early iteration Right. And it was, I think, really when you worked with Coach Michelle, things started to change for you. And then you decided to become a coach. And now you're actually working with Beth. There's so much to talk about. I know. But um, yeah, let's start from the very beginning and just tell us in your words, how did you start having trouble sleeping? Okay. Well, Daniel, it's a long story. Really, I really had insomnia for about 40 years, which is an awful lot. And you know, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, a teenager, you know, early 20s, I slept fine. I didn't think about it. Um, it just, you know, go to bed, go to sleep. Every now and then I'd have a little trouble going to sleep. Often it was Sunday evening because I'd stay up, I'd, I'd sleep in on weekends. But otherwise, you know, it was fine. Then I went to medical school. And the problem in medical school was when I started doing night call. This is like in the clinical rotations in medical school. At first it was this exciting thing. Oh, I get to be called in the middle of the night and save lives and all this wonderful and it was fine for a while, but then after a while, I would get called in the middle of the night. Of course, this was when I was working in the hospital as a med student and then as a resident. I did internal medicine. And um, so it's funny. It became kind of a macho thing with the med students and residents. Oh, I got three hours of sleep last night. Well, I only got two hours of sleep. So obviously, there's just kind of this macho thing. The less sleep you got, the more value that you had. So anyway, I kept having trouble going back to sleep after I was called, and then I'd start worrying about what's wrong with my sleep? Why can't I get back to sleep? And of course, there was a lot of sleep disruption from the calls, but then I kind of built on that and had trouble falling asleep and, and started really worrying about it big time. So I started on sleeping pills, and they were very easy to obtain at that point. So I thought, well, I really embraced the medical model. Oh, well, if you can't sleep, take a pill. It's like insomnia is an ambient deficiency syndrome, so you don't have enough in your body to make you sleep. So this went on and on for a number of years. When I finished my training and I was in practice in, here in Denver, internal medicine practice, I continued to have to be on call, but at this point I was on call at home. And so being on call at home, I didn't just have to walk down the hall. Probably 80% of the calls I could just handle over the phone. And probably about 20%, I actually had to go into the hospital. And so I really had to get up and 
get my my head together and deal with the patient and then go back home. And I found it very difficult to go back to sleep. So in a way, it was almost worse when I was practicing physician. Sorry to interrupt, Richard, but just to have a picture, during this stretch as a, an intern and then as a practicing attending, the sleep struggle, is it something that it kind of just bothers you or it, it's kind of affecting your life quite a lot? Oh, it's affecting my life quite a lot, yeah. I was preoccupied with it. At first, the sleeping pills worked great until they didn't, and it didn't take long until they really didn't work very well at all. I had no clue about what insomnia was. This was way before you or people with your approach out there for us to... I mean, this is pre-internet, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Way pre-internet, yeah. So I was, I was tired a lot, and they said this went on for about 20 years. At that point, I had a different job, and it was very rare that I actually had ever had to go in at night. And it was even very rare that I got called after like 11 o'clock at night. But I always knew that I could, that it was a possibility. So I continued to have the insomnia. At that point, I started reading about it, thinking about it. And the only advice I really found was the usual things, sleep hygiene, blackout curtains, blindfolds, earplugs, melatonin, just all these things. I tried a number of things. I did a lot of reading. I didn't get really any clue from what I read of what was really going on, that this is fear-based. What were your nights like? Was it mostly like you had little sleep, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, sleepless nights completely or not so much of that? What was it like? So I think at that point, it was mainly trouble falling asleep. Later on, it became trouble staying asleep. I'd fall asleep okay and then have trouble staying asleep. I'd wake up early and couldn't go back to sleep. So it would kind of vary. And I would take different pills and supplements and try to juggle these. And I was very focused on, well, how many milligrams? And, and I felt quite conflicted about it too, because I, at that point I was saying, well, it's obviously mainstream medicine obviously isn't giving us answers by just providing sleeping pills. So I, I tried different things. So anyways, it was somewhat better when I didn't really have night call where I had to go in at night and when I was rarely called at night. I'm trying to think at what point. Okay. So I discovered that I had sleep apnea about 12 years ago, I think. And it was mild to moderate. And I think my HI was like 16. Would that be like mild to moderate? Yeah, exactly. Mild to moderate. Yeah, right. And so I, I tried the different treatments. And what worked for me actually was a dental device. Okay. The CPAP didn't work for me. So the dental device actually worked quite well. And I thought, well, this is going to be the end of my insomnia because this is what was causing it. It improved like 10% because the quality of my sleep was somewhat better because I was breathing more clearly. I'm glad that I did. I still use the dental appliance. I'm glad I'm doing that, but that's not really related directly to my insomnia. And did you have testing mainly because you were more sleep apnea symptoms, like you know snoring and sleepiness, or or did you have testing as part of like figuring out insomnia? I had the testing really for sleep apnea, and it showed you know that I had the sleep because I was told that I snored. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, I don't know how long. Probably, if I had the sleep apnea for a long time before that, and just didn't know it. And that could have been interfering with my sleep. And I would misinterpret sleep disruption as being insomnia. So anyway, it was kind of it was kind of a big mess. So I really started looking into, well, how can I do this non-pharmacologically without medication? You know, I saw a psychotherapist or two. They really didn't have, they really weren't very helpful at all. I think they just had a lot of conventional thoughts. Well, you drink, have some sleepy time tea, have a little metal, melatonin, take deep breaths, all this stuff. And it, it just really didn't work at all because we talk about insomnia is fear-based, the fear of not being able to sleep. 
And these things didn't address that at all. In fact, they made it worse because I was putting all this effort into trying to find a way to make myself sleep. And that just raised my hyperarousal and made it even more difficult. So at that point, I heard about CBTI, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And I looked it up. And this is again, sorry, Richard, this is again some, somewhere like 10 years ago, something like that. I probably first heard about, I may have first heard about it 10 years ago, but I, I only started actually doing it. I think maybe probably five years ago. And I tried a couple of online things. One was called Shut Eye. One was by this guy, Greg Jacobs, and they didn't help at all. And then I discovered Martin Reed. That was four years ago that I did Martin's CBTI program. And again, I had high hopes for this. Martin's, I have a lot of respect for Martin. He's a very nice guy. I think he's very sincere and wanting to help people, but it really didn't help me much at all. But at that point, I was Googling insomnia and I found you. So after Martin's program didn't really work, I started following your channel. Now at that point, probably four years ago, you were still kind of advocating CBTI, weren't you? Yes. And this is perfect because I just want to sneak this in there that I think actually both Martin and myself have had a similar journey. We both started off thinking very much in traditional CBTI uh, terms, but then we both drifted to a quite, quite a similar place. So, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Also, Martin has a different approach now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I actually met him a couple of months ago and, you know, we talked a little bit about this, but also just from his newsletters, I can see that we're on okay. a similar path. Yeah. Okay. Well, at that point, you know, he was, he had a, a spreadsheet and I had to, calculate my sleep efficiency, which is the time of sleep divided by the time in bed and so forth. And you had to be above 80 or 85 or something. It was a lot of monitoring and that really was not useful for me. Anyway, I'm glad to hear that, that Martin is kind of coming over more in our direction. That's great. Yeah. I think, yeah, just again, not to, to do too much of a sidetrack from your story here, but I think honestly, anyone who is kind of like has that really wants to help and is open-minded and listens to their clients, they will end up in the same place. It, uh -huh. we, it takes every, all of us to the same place. But uh -huh. uh, but anyways, yes, sorry to interrupt there, but you found myself and you started tuning into YouTube channel maybe or, or, or what happened? I was Googling and I think the first video I found of you, you mentioned Martin. So I think probably YouTube was kind of searching for things related to Martin and so it found you. I think maybe you were you were referring to him. So anyway, I started following you, but at that point you were doing CBTI. I didn't have quite the confidence in you, in your approach. And then you started evolving and I found, wow, this is really something. This, this is not just CBTI. This is a, Daniel's going out in a whole different direction. And that really started to help. So glad you found me. This is so interesting because you're, I think that the only guest who, who actually found me really already has kind of seen the evolution. Right. Um, but I remember, yeah, I remember at that point you were maybe leaving some comments somewhere, but you also then, one of the very first clients in bedtime, and I know we co communicated via text there and we had email conversations as well, but and now I'm jumping ahead, but was that kind of like maybe the next step in the story? Right, right. So I did your bedtime program and that really started helping. I was similar to, to the free content that I had, but it was kind of more organized. And so I really was starting to get the big picture. So I really had kind of a breakthrough with bedtime with you at that time. I remember it was about two and a half years ago, you did a video talking about an email that I had sent you kind of describing the progress I had made. 
Yeah. I didn't realize I had done that. I have those emails. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was in May of 21, if I'm not mistaken. Do you remember sort of what aha moments or what teachings that started to click with you? Yeah. Okay. So I realized I, I, I had a kind of a, a revelation, kind of an epiphany about sleep not requiring effort. And you talk about NATO, not attached to the outcome. And I kind of understood that in theory, but then going through bedtime with you, I started to finally get this. I don't have to do anything to sleep. And I had this thing where I, I found that if I just kind of shrugged, okay, well, just, you know, oh, well, I'm not sleeping. Oh, well, no big deal, whatever. And I found that really helped. It's interesting also, one of the other things I described, I would kind of get this and kind of get this little shrug that I would do. And then I'd forget about it for a week. Oh, I got to remind myself of it. So I was just looking at my bookshelf and had the, the novel Atlas Shrugged. So I, I took a little, a, a sticky and wrote my name on it over and pasted it over Atlas. So it was Richard Shrugged. I just kind of had this on my night table for about, you know, a week or two. And it just reminded me to just kind of let go. It's kind of this this attitude of indifference rather than this attitude of struggle. So that made a big difference. So things were better, but I still wasn't there yet. And I, I had a lot of the knowledge. My sleep wasn't kind of catching up with that. So the next thing I did was about a year and a half ago, I started doing coaching with Michelle. And Michelle was great. I mean, so... Kind of the downside of, of bedtime was that it was just text-based. He wasn't actually talking to somebody. And then the other positive with Michelle, not only were we talking on Zoom, but she's been there also. And just to have a really knowledgeable coach who's been there, who knows this stuff, who's compassionate, this really made a huge difference. I just experienced better and better sleep. And so this takes us to about a year ago. And a year ago, I got a kidney stone. This is October of last year, 2022. And that was a great sleep disruptor. It didn't pass on its own. I had needed three surgeries, finally got it out. So this is over like four or five months. I was just kind of struggling with this. So things kind of backed up a little bit. But then they got it out and I recovered and that was fine. So then I continued making that progress. So it was about at that point that you, so I was working with Michelle, and then you sent out an email or an announcement saying, well, we're looking for sleep coaches to train. And so I thought, wow, this would be so cool to train with you and learn this stuff and pass it on to other folks who are having insomnia. So I joined the sleep coach school, did my training last spring, and it's just been wonderful. I just, I love the training. I love how you and Michelle teach. I love working with the other coaches. And what I love in particular is you just gave us so much experience. It wasn't just book learning. It was like, there's that. Just a lot of experience. So on the on the, in the Zoom sessions, the drop-in classes with the students, you just let us do plenty of, of coaching, training coaching. And it was just great for experience. And also the Slack channel. So I loved that. Then after I finished that, I thought, well, how am I going to actually do this myself? At that point, Beth uh, contacted me a couple months ago and said, hey, would you like to work with me? I said, oh, that's great because I met Beth because Beth, of course, trained with you also. And so we've been working together for about a month and a half now. And it's great. I just love it. 
Yeah, so it's an amazing, amazing you know, journey. Like from many of us struggling, like leaving the struggle and getting certified, helping other people. It's just wonderful. And I wanted to ask you something that came to my mind. I just remember though some of the emails we had back and forth. And at some point, if I remember correctly, you were wanting to come off some medication and mm-hmm. you were tapering it off. And do you remember that? And and uh, maybe share some something about that for other people who are in a similar place. Yeah, so I was very conflicted about medication because I didn't think that I should have to take it. I knew that people can sleep without medication, but it was like this security blanket and I thought I needed it. And so I would periodically cut my dose down and then I'd have trouble, more trouble sleeping, probably because for more psychological reasons, uh, because I wasn't delegating to it anymore, uh, delegating sleep to it. So I just kind of went back and forth. And finally, I, I've been off everything for almost a year and a half now. Um, but I was struggling. I remember some of the emails that I wrote you would say, well, I'm on so many milligrams of this and so many milligrams of this. And I've gone down 0.5 milligrams. It just, the whole thing, the whole struggle was so wrapped up in all this these calculations and this monitoring. Yeah, and that I remember that very much too. It was like your questions were kind of like, okay, how I'm on these many milligrams of that and this many milligrams of that. How should I do it the best way? Did you find sort of like, did you create some kind of taper schedule and you just followed it? Or did at some point dawn on you that this isn't really what matters? Or how did you come up? And I ended up tapering, you know, over time. And because I knew that if I did it too quickly, I'd get some withdrawal and this would be counterproductive. And I, I had to be kind to myself and, and do it gradually. And I did, and I got off it. One of the things just occurs to me now is that when I started having good nights without pills, this was like this one of these magical moments that you talk about, where, wow, it re- <laughs> pills really aren't necessary. And it was just so cool to experience that. So to have that experientially, not just something, not just book learning. So glad that you had those experiences, you know, and it's so nice when anybody in the community has that because you can teach around that in a very nice way. But the question to you was from this started like, you know, 40 years prior or so, had you always been on some pill during that journey or had it been more off and on? It was off and on, but it was on more than off. Yeah. 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 yeah so very, very nice. And the other thing I want to ask you was, are there any specific things you remember that Michelle shared that was kind of eye opening to you? Yeah. Yeah. So one really big thing was accepting and being with difficult feelings. So waking up at night, feeling anxious, the instinct we all have is to push it away. It's not fun to be anxious, to be worried, uh, to be ruminating. And she just said, well, just be with it and embrace it. You don't have to be happy that you're having it, but just experience it. Because as, as you always teach, the more we push it away, the more it becomes amplified. And so I'd just been amplifying for years and years, having no idea that I did it. Now, of course, this was a teaching that I, I got from you before I met with Michelle. But it's funny, it, it didn't really hit home until I had someone pointed out, well, this is what you're doing. You might want to consider a different approach. And that really, really helped. So nice to hear that. And now, I want to take us to actually the time when you were you know, in our, in our certification program and you were part of these drop-in class. And for those who wonder, what's the drop-in class? Well, it's basically just a Zoom call where we have maybe, you know, two to seven students and a coach and and maybe somebody who's training to become a, a coach. 
on my end, I just want to say that it was you. You made my life so easy because you came in with so much experience and so insight. Well, I could just be like, "Well, what do you think, Richard?" And you answered so nicely. But I would ask you, like, on a personal level, was teaching others did it somehow help you as well? Kind of solidify. Oh, it did. I mean, yeah, it really helped solidify everything that I had learned. And since I was kind of getting over my kidney stuff, I I got out of the hospital like five days before training started in February. So I was still, I was still having a lot of sleep disruption and, you know, kind of going, going into insomnia also at times, just because disruption can indirectly lead to insomnia because you worry about it. I knew I was on the recovery path, but still I was having a lot of uh, speed bumps at that point. And so I knew I was going in the right direction. So just going over all the material and then talking about it with the students really helped consolidate this. I just really enjoyed doing it. And I would recognize, oh, this is where I was three years ago. This is where I was 40 years ago. It's just really very gratifying to be able to convey my story and my approach to the students. Yeah. You know, I was just about to say something and now it's kind of slipping my mind, but I, yeah, yeah, now, now it came back to me. And it was, it was basically, I think you may have been the one who suggested this or somebody else, but somebody said, hey, Daniel, like it actually helps a lot to have this kind of outside perspective, you know, even for somebody who's having trouble in, with, with sleep themselves, it, it may be helpful to sort of like have them look at things from the outside, which I had this idea at some point to, to create these, I was going to call them like special classes where it would be like, okay, now we're not going to talk about ourselves. We're just going to talk about this vignette. So-and-so has trouble sleeping. What would you tell this person to almost like force someone to take that outside perspective? But um, I just bring this up because I think that outside perspective can be so helpful, uh, right? And what exactly do you mean by the outside perspective? Oh, yeah. The outside perspective is for you, Richard, when you were uh, going through the training program to become a coach, you were not no longer looking at yourself and trying to help. Oh, right, right. You're, you're kind of an outsider now helping others. Yes. Yeah. Well, that really helped. I think that that perspective can often help. But anyway. And then you joined Beth, and uh, yeah, generally, how have you liked uh, working with Beth? Oh, I love working with Beth. Beth is, she's a wonderful teacher. She's wonderfully compassionate and resourceful for the students. She has a wonderful course. She has a video course that all her students watch. And, um, you know, I, of course, I've seen it. And uh, she just really summarizes everything so clearly. And she's just such a wonderful teacher. So it's just been great working with her. Yeah, she's she's amazing. I, I follow her on Instagram, and she put out so nice content there. It's um, it's Coach Beth for everyone's wondering. Mind Body Sleep is her uh, the name yeah. of her program. Yeah, well, personal level, it's it's. I was so glad when she shared that you were joining. It, it was kind of a moment because now not only do we have coaches who who graduate, but here was a coach, Coach Beth, who graduates, sets up her own program, and actually recruits another graduate from Frogavis. I mean, you can see like how this ecosystem, everything can grow and it's beautiful. Right. So we're really glad to hear that. Right. Of course, we're, we're looking for ways to, to grow the program to get more students. And this is now a work in progress. So what I'm doing with her is, you know, is, is quite part-time. I'm doing the Slack channel every other week. And I'm doing, which is for people who don't know, which is a text-based app where the students can write in questions. And then I'm going to be doing a one-on-one -on -one with one of our students next week also. Yeah, so it's going to be fun. Very, very nice. And now I want to ask you 
if you could, you know, travel back in time, let's say, to to when this all started many, many years ago and tell yourself something, what what would you pick? I would pick, I would tell myself that sleep is effortless. And I'd get a lot of pushback from my younger self. Of course it's not. But this is really the, the truth. That sleep is effortless. And it's only by exerting a lot of effort that, that we get into insomnia. Yeah, we, just make, we make it harder because efforts lead to hyperarousal, which keeps us awake. I guess the other thing also would be to focus on the importance of hyperarousal over sleep drive because CBTI focuses on sleep drive. You have to have sleep restrictions, so you, you increase your sleep drive. Well, 99% of people with insomnia have plenty of sleep drive. And it's just the hyperarousal that really gets us in trouble. It just kind of going back again, I had I did have a tendency just for worry and anxiety. And so I was kind of the kind of personality who might develop insomnia. But the same anxiety just gets mixed up with insomnia and causes hyperarousal and all the problems that insomnia has. Nicely said. And uh, I also want to ask you, maybe the final question here is, have you found that the you know learning from the struggle with sleep has been helpful in other areas of life? Oh, very definitely. Just the, the whole thing of, of not pushing feelings away and kind of not getting all wrapped up in feelings, but accepting them. So worries, feelings in any other area of life, whether it's money, relationships, work, health, whatever, just not getting wrapped up and freaking out and just kind of letting go and shrugging. Oh, well, whatever. And that's incredibly helpful in life generally. Amazing. Well said. And, you know, as you were speaking here, I remember the email I shared. I know the title and everything now. It just came back to me. It was like, I remember I, I put the email down and I said like how Richard's 40-year struggle with insomnia ended with a shrug. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Very well, well. Well, let's conclude there. It's been amazing having you here and, you know, look forward to continuing to, you know, just uh, collaborate with you and chat with you and have you as a guest at Set Out, Richard. Well, this has been great, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me. Anytime. All right. That was all for today. I hope you found this episode really eye-opening. And if you're looking for something more tangible, then head over to our website, thesleepcoachschool.com, and you'll find several coaching options where our teachings can be contextualized for you personally. If you decide to join, we look forward to seeing you on the other side.